I think I've learned from good leaders and not so good leaders in my career uh, what I wanted to be when I then got the chance to take on a team. Today we're joined by Zoe Ogden, People Director at Impression. We'll be hearing about the role that transparency plays in their culture, why they've done away with annual appraisals and what business for good means as a value for Impression as an organisation. Hope you enjoy. Right, great to have you here Zoe, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Zoe, your background uh, is absolutely fantastic, having worked at Experian and Mars and Uni Days and you're currently the People Director over at the digital agency Impression. Tell us a little bit about the business. So, as you said, it's a digital marketing agency. So we do SEO, digital PR, paid media, CRO. This is testing my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, we'll um, do the digital marketing for a business. It could be a small retainer. It could be all of their digital marketing. And yeah, we have a range of different clients, um, some really large, some smaller, some charity sector. So no day is the same for our teams. Fantastic. This podcast is all about helping give our listeners insight into culture. And I wondered if you could describe the culture impression to us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's something that I feel very proud of because I know that we do have a really strong culture. And if I could just describe it in a couple of words, I guess I'd say collaborative, supportive, community. And they're words that when we ask our employees, how would you describe impression? The words that keep on coming up all, all the time. So the fact that I think everyone sort of supports one another, but like in, in more than just a work capacity. So I think that's where culture really starts to kind of embed. It's about more than just you turning up at work and then turning your laptop off. It's where people actually like care about you as an individual and as a person. And at Impression, we definitely have that. And it's something that you can't just harness overnight either. So I think it does definitely come from like the people within the business making that the case. So I, I suppose as the people director, you're ultimately charged with being the catalyst for that happening. What kind of measures do you put in place and, and how do you uh, ensure that there is momentum behind people continuing to care, look out for each other and have that sense of community? It's interesting because I have had times in my career where maybe the culture has sort of been given yeah. to the people team to sort of do. Imposed. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. oh, culture, that's your job. So like, yeah. it's, it's my job to make the culture good. And if it's not good and if people aren't happy, then it's the people team's fault. And thankfully, I think people have realised that that's not the case. But impression, that's certainly not the case. Like, culture is derived from each of us. Yeah. Like, all of us have a part to play in that. And everything that we do, it's about the shadow that you cast. We kind of talk about that quite a lot about how you know it's the the difference that you make the impact we use that word so much but it's because it, it like relates to so many areas of things that we do our impact on our clients but our impact on each other so thinking about the way in which we talk to each other make someone new feel welcome even when someone's leaving us like we want them to feel part of the community still so that they can represent impression you know afterwards and that has happened which is lovely as well we've got some people who you know no longer work for us but still champion us so it is about you know thinking the difference that you're making like even when you think that no one's watching you there are things that you do that just have that kind of an impact and effect on other people around you so we really try to make people aware of the difference that they can make and regardless of what role you're in in the business like you contribute to that culture but there are obviously you know certain things that we have got in place that are a bit more formal of yeah, course yeah. so things like the fact that we have a weekly check-in for our team so it's just something very quick and easy that they can rate their week so how's it been and we don't target that at all I've been in a business where 
that score has actually been targeted. So as a line manager, my team were unhappy, that would reflect badly on me. Right. But there are other factors as to why someone might not be having a good week. So we said we want to make sure that everyone's filling it in. So that's what we target. But that's like free time for people to say like, what's going on? How do you feel? We always ask a question about what performance zone are you working in at the moment? So someone might be in... What is the criteria? Yeah, so it's either comfort. Um, you can have like stretch comfort, where it's like, oh, I've done a bit of stuff that I'm used to, but then I've had a few bits where it stretched me. Yeah. Obviously, pure stretch. You can have like dead, which just means like I'm completely just gone. Panic, which might mean that someone's feeling a little bit like, oh, you know, anxious yeah. and like not really sure. And that's a really good indicator for a line manager to be like, oh, okay, they've stayed in the stretch zone for a little bit longer than what I'd like. So maybe that's going to dip into panic. We need to get in there quickly and just make sure like, is everything right? I've noticed you've been in stretch zone for a couple of weeks now. So it's a really good indicator for people to like jump on something instantaneous rather than like the individual having to bring it up in a one-to-one, maybe they yeah. wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. So it's sort of a, an easy indicator and, and a quick way of doing that. And we'll ask a question in there as well about, do you want to talk about your mental health in our one-to-one this week? Which again is a good indicator because not everyone feels comfortable just organically bringing that question up. Yeah. And which is totally fair enough. And I think this means that people feel like they can say like, oh, maybe. And then for the manager, it's like, okay, I'll make space for that and I'll yeah. make sure that we do. And as a manager, you get used to how people answer that question as well. So, you know, someone's always like, yeah, all good. Yeah, all good. Or like, yeah. And you're like, oh, are they just saying yeah? Is that yeah. something? You know, like it's a really good kind of way of being able to tell whether something is actually going on, especially in this hybrid world where you're not sat across the desk with someone, you might not be able to pick up on things, little things that you can pick up on. And then obviously we ask about, you know, what's going on for their work stuff. And then we'll ask like a random question. So I think the question this week is, what have you done for your wellbeing this week? And it's really nice that people talk about that. And then we share those things out. So we say, you know, this is what the answer to the question was and here are some of the the answers. And it's just really nice for people to see what other people are doing. So that is just one like really easy weekly thing that we do, but it has a massive impact on the way that people feel, they're being listened to, you know, we care about their opinion. We want them to actually tell us, you know, how are you feeling? You're an important part of this too. So just little things like that, it might not sound like anything, but it really does make a difference and it's completely free. (laughs) It sounds superb. And I think um, from an environmental perspective, a lot of what I'm hearing here is, cre- is is sort of fostering a culture of psychological safety. Mm, yeah. Um, it sounds like it's probably okay to make mistakes, to be authentic, open and honest about exactly what you're thinking and feeling. I suppose it takes me to thinking about how that has a, a impact on performance. And one of the things that I uh, was looking at on your website was how you talk about scrapping annual reviews mm. and focusing on something that is a little bit more forward looking and I think you do something with individualised goal setting as well, don't you? So could you give us some insight into uh, why that has happened and, and, and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So I know in larger businesses, it is usually an annual cycle that we're a big reward team are looking after all the pay elements of that in the background. So I know it is very complicated. And, you know, I completely appreciate that it is a big exercise, but that goes back to this kind of, I suppose, old school way of being like your annual review equals pay and that's where you talk about your career and your progression but impression we just think that that is like it's too late you know things happen so frequently so we want to have a conversation about your performance and your career in a more regular basis so we have a quarterly review cycle and that conversation is very much tailored around let's look at your job 
let's look at the things that you need to be achieving, that you're responsible for, the competencies, all of those kinds of things. And let's measure yourself against them. Where do you feel like you've got it nailed? Where are bits where maybe you might need a bit more support? Are there any things that we can maybe build an OKR off the back of? And I think it's that that makes it very individual for somebody. And like their manager is really invested as well. And they genuinely are. Like they, they do want people to succeed and, and do well. I'm really interested to understand how else transparency plays out in your business. I mean, I talk about transparency and fairness all the time. <laughs> like literally, I use the word transparency so often. That I think people are like, okay, we get it. We get it. You like transparency. And, and this really plays out probably from personal experience where when I felt like I don't have the information or I don't understand the decision, I feel really disengaged in that. And there have been times where things have felt a bit backhand. So people are having conversations in a room, you just call them like secret squirrel conversations, and then someone would come out of that room with a 10K pay rise, and you'd be like, sorry, what? How, how does that work? And, you know, and especially in HR, I was always privy to more information within a business, but I used to think like, it's really unfair. Like, I don't understand why certain things aren't shared with everyone, so that everyone is on a bit of an even keel with that. Obviously, there are certain confidential things in a business that has to be kept to just the leadership team and then rolled out when it's ready. But there's things like job descriptions. I mean, why wouldn't that be shared with everyone or salary bands? So when I joined Impression, they were already very great at sharing a lot of information anyway. But we really formalized that we would share every single salary band within our business. And the way in which we do that is that we have like a starting salary. So you're sort of starting out in the role. And then you've got three sub-levels before you move on to like the next level. And it's really clear what's expected at each of those sub-levels. So it's almost like helping you understand like how do you get to the next bit and see more reward more regularly. So again, you're not waiting potentially like a whole year. You might see a slight increment. It's really obvious as well, like how that could then look in the future. It's not just about the next 12 months. You can see what your next five years might look like in terms of salary. So transparency, fairness, and honesty yeah. are massive for your culture internally. How do those values play out externally when we put it through the lens of something like CSR? What do you guys do as a business in that space? Yeah, so our values are really, really important to us. And one of them is business for good. This year, we actually achieved our B Corp status, which was wow. amazing. And like, honestly, a lot of work has to go into that. Like, they don't just give that out lightly. You have to do a lot of stuff and make sure that things are, are working and, you know, and being real. Yeah. So that is something we were really committed to doing. And it definitely feeds into our sustainability goals just from, you know, thinking about um, our partnership with ecology around um, planting trees to even things like we don't send out any merch. And we have had people in the business be like, oh, it'd be amazing to send like welcome packs to new starters. And I totally agree, like that is always lovely. But how can we send people like plastic stuff that they might not want that might just go in a landfill and we paid for like, you know, emissions of delivery just doesn't really align with that value. So we have to be really clear on the fact that people can come in on their first day, go in the merch cupboard and take what they want. But we don't want to have to, you know, be responsible for any kind of unnecessary things in the landfill so it's just things like that you have to think about and then when it comes to like clients as well uh, we are quite specific about the clients that we'll work with in the same way that obviously clients do due diligence and make sure that you're the type of business that they want to work with it does go both ways so we wouldn't take on any clients that don't um, speak to our values or even you know don't treat our staff members uh, with respect and, and in the way that we would so you know we have had to have conversations in the past with clients about the way that we would want to operate um, and you know, give them reminders about our team are there to support you and help you and you have to be respectful. So I think that 
you know, everything that we say and do internally, we are really trying to live and breathe externally. I'm really interested to understand your style of leadership. So could you articulate that for us? <laughs> well, you'd have to ask my team. <laughs> well, good point. What would they say then? If I asked your team, what would they say? <laughs> well, actually, I had a new staff from my team this week and yeah. when we had that conversation about what's your style, what's my style? I always just say I am very laid back and I will trust you until you give me a reason not to. So I'm very empowering of my team. I'm, I have a lot of confidence in their ability. You know, I want them to go and do it. I have worked for leaders who have taken my work and used it as theirs and not mentioned at all. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we've all had that. And I just would never do that. I think I've learned from good leaders and not so good leaders in my career uh, what I wanted to be when I then got the chance to take on a team. You know, I didn't want to be the kind of leader that was micromanaging. I didn't want to be the kind of leader that would do things like that, where they don't give credit where credit's due. I wanted to be the kind of leader that was human and that, you know, if someone made a mistake, they could come and tell me and we could sort it out and talk about it. And the best leaders I've had have been ones where rather than, you know, chastise me when I've made a mistake, which has happened. You know, I remember like being dragged in a meeting room, sat down told that like you know this is like the worst thing that ever could have happened and I was like 21 and you know it, it was it was um, you that I'd, that, well yeah that. it was literally that I'd left something I'd printed out loads of important confidential documents and unfortunately one had left on the printer and I didn't realize and so I'd taken like a massive pile of 30 and just missed one so if that was the other way around like the way I would have handled that is to say something like you know uh, okay, you know, it's not great. We really do need to make sure that we're looking at the confidential documents, making sure that like we've got everyone because it is a shared use printer, you know, just really kind of a, a you know, reminder rather than a warning. But I was told that I could be up for a disciplinary and all this kind of stuff. And it was literally like within, within the first six months of my role. And like you said, it's a make or break moment. And, yeah. you know, in those formative career years, having experiences like that happen to you, like it really took me a while to get over it and to feel relaxed in my job. I felt like, everyone was looking at me like I was gonna make a mistake again. And it almost like made me make more mistakes because I was so panicked. Whereas I, what I want to happen in my team is, you know, we're all human, things do happen. If it happens, come and tell me, we'll sort it out. We'll talk about what could have been different, what we can maybe do to rectify the situation. I'm not gonna like make someone feel awful about it. Cause I know that if they're, you know, a values driven person, like we have it impression, they'll just feel awful about it themselves anyway. So me then saying, you know, all this stuff on top of that isn't going to be helpful. So I want someone to like feel like they can learn and, you know, try things and, you know, feel like I have their back. And I, I think that if you ask my team, they would say I have their backs massively and champion their work as well and provide opportunities for, for them to do the things that they want to do. So you've talked there about your leadership style and how it's been impacted through personal experience. You know, if we think about the last few years and we've seen significant world events like the pandemic, uh, like hashtag MeToo, um, BLM, etc. Um, what sort of impact has that had on your style? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the world of HR has been quite tough <laughs> in the last three years. I think it's made HR be seen as, I mean, I don't really call it HR with people, like a people mm. team, but I think it has made the, like, the HR world be seen in a different light by a lot of different businesses because it's hard to quantify the value that you add. You know, you're not bringing in any cash on paper, mm. but I think the way in which we had to handle the crisis, the way in which we've dealt with very tricky political issues as well and, and trying to support our people through these things, you know, that's made people realise that actually there's a lot of stuff that is quite tricky to navigate and having you know, HR or people leaders within your business, they can really support you and partner you to understand things and understand where things are coming from and then 
make the right course of action off the back of that. But it has been a really tough time, but it's also been a really eye-opening time. I mean, personally, I've learned so much from other people's experiences, other people talking. You know, they should feel like in a business that they can talk about things that matter to them is, is how I feel. So it's been a journey uh, to get to the, the pinnacle of the HR field, um, currently people director. Tell us a bit about the sacrifices that you've had to make to, to get to this point. Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> Something to really you know reflect on, actually. The immediate thing that comes to mind is just the kind of the idea that you get thrown into the deep end in situations that you probably weren't equipped to handle, but actually that becomes the making of you. Wow. There's yeah. definitely been things where I've been like, what am I even doing? How, how am I doing this? <laughs> Particularly if you're in a standalone HR role, you've got nobody else to ask and everyone's looking at you for the answer and yeah. you're just sort of navigating and almost like, you know, fake it till you make it type of thing. And there have been some like big things I've had to deal with, but like I've just gone in for it, I've just gone for it and then just seen what happens and will it work? And, and they've been like the biggest learnings. And I think what I'm really enjoying about my role at Impression is that it's almost like the chance to do it over again, but once I've done it, um, before and being able to apply my learnings to a new situation it always makes me excited to try those things again because it's happening in a different kind of way yeah. so I think just you know having to just deal with certain situations it's really character building you have to build a lot of resilience and I, through that process I've realized that you definitely can't make everybody happy and as an inherent people pleaser that's incredibly difficult and I remember the first time that I heard people being negative about me as a person within a business I mean thankfully you know, I think that that probably is a reflection of that business rather than people as a whole, because I, I don't think that that's the case everywhere. But there definitely were times where people would, you know, not be very nice about things that we were doing or be quite dismissive of things that we were doing. And it really upset me. It really made me think, but why? We're trying to make it a better place. And why don't people understand this? And then I realised that whole thing of, well, you can't please everyone, though. So, you know, and that, naturally, if they don't see the value in it, then it's their loss. And I'm just going to keep on banging that drum and I'm just going to keep on going with it. And I don't really care whether that person likes me or not now. I've gotten to this stage where I'm like, the people who get it will get it. And I yeah. want to work with those people. And obviously I'll try and convince those people who maybe are on the fence about it. But you know what Impression has taught me is that even if they're not sure on something, an initiative or something that I'm suggesting, they will listen. They will completely like, you know, take time to go away and do their own research. It's not just blanket no or my stuff's like you know shoved to another meeting that like they they really do make the time and, and that's because they're so people focused so almost like finding your tribe is so important because you can then feel like you have the autonomy and the empowerment to suggest new things try new things and you shouldn't be ever convincing people that people are important you know if you're working in a business where it's a constant battle and a constant struggle that's not normal yeah. and that's something that i've definitely learned and I had just like months of that at one place that I worked and it, it was really hard because it does, it really grinds your character down. And you think, is it me? Is it because I'm saying it? Is that why they don't believe it? So it's really hard to like kind of separate that sometimes from like the work you're doing and the human element. And particularly when, you know, redundancies, you know, having to sack people, unfortunately, in situations, but you have to sort of, again, like rationalize like I'm doing my job and I understand the reasons why this is happening, particularly if it's having to dismiss someone, you know, it's, it's clearly off the back of somebody breaking a policy. And again, like everyone has free will and choice. So yeah, they might like hate me as a face of the decision at this moment in time, but actually it's nothing personal. It's just because someone has to have an outlet for their anger. Often that is HR or people teams. And actually like, as long as you can go to bed at night, one of my old leaders said this to me. I remember he, um, he and I were doing a dismissal 
and it was a horrible one. It was really horrible. I mean, the person definitely should have been dismissed. They, they did massively break the policy, but they were crying. And I was, I was 21 at the time of this happening, taking notes. And afterwards, he said to me, if I can like go to bed tonight, clean my teeth, look at myself in the eye in that mirror, and just know that I did the right thing, then I, I feel okay and I can go to bed and I can sleep. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's only when it still troubles me that it makes me question, did we do the right thing? But he was like, honestly, if you can you know, feel like that was the right decision, regardless of how awful and how you know horrible the meeting is, you know it was the right thing, so stick by it. And that was a really great piece of advice because it is hard being in a people role and you do want to make people happy, but at the same time, you have to balance the business requirements. So what subjects do you think we need to be teaching the next generation at school? Firstly, I'd say financial. Right. <laughs> financial, <laughs> like, but just personal finances, how it works, how money going into your account works, bills, council tax, all the things that I feel like people don't understand. I think that the next generation need to have like more practical life lessons. Like, yes, okay, we could do maths, but it's more about like, you know, how, how tax codes work even, you know, just silly things like that that always you know when you you see people start their first job you always get questions from them because they don't understand and why would they like of course you wouldn't like I definitely didn't and I only understand now because I work in that kind of sector so I think just practical things about how to manage your own finances and what is kind of realistic in terms of budgeting and all those kinds of things is really important which probably then leads me on to the next bit around um, how the economy works especially when we're talking about like inflation and cost of living crisis and all that kind of stuff like, you know, even I'm like having to do a lot of reading to get my head around like, okay, so where are we? What's going to happen? What's being predicted? All that kind of stuff. The implications of it. And I'm doing that because obviously in my role, that's really important. But it's important for everybody else to understand how the economy works and how, yes, okay, inflation is like 11% or whatever it is at the moment. But that doesn't mean that all salaries then need to be increased by 11% because that then perpetuates inflation and all this kind of stuff. Whereas I think on paper, you look at it and you think, well, hang on. Like surely that equals that, but but it doesn't. And I think those kind of practical, like this is how it works. This is then how business then operates in that landscape. It's just so vital that so that people again are equipped with the information that they need to be able to make good decisions. And then I mean it is brilliant already because you do see a lot of this in the next generation. But just learning about you know how to prioritise your own well being thinking about mental health and how it all operates in terms of you know the, the things that can impact that the things that influence that including like financial well-being is quite a big one that can then impact your mental health and just understanding a little bit more about the world around you and this is something that I absolutely love that a lot of our more junior employees they ask a lot of questions that I think god you know when I was 21 I definitely wouldn't be asking like my seniors these questions but I love it I always say this I'm always like ask questions if you don't understand something you should question it I'm really interested to understand what the best bit of career advice is that you've received wow that's a great question <laughs> so obviously I've mentioned that you know that whole integrity piece is yeah. so important and authenticity I think that is really really key like knowing who you are your own boundaries like what you are happy to put up with in a way you know like what kinds of things are like non-negotiables for you um in terms of other people's behaviors or in terms of like things that you're being asked to do and again it's great the next generation are questioning that and aren't just putting up with it you know they they're like this isn't for me i'll find another job i'd, I'd rather be happy and i think that's a really important thing but i think probably <laughs> the best thing and it's a bit flippant but the best thing that i'd heard was it was when I worked at Boots and one of my managers when I was really like stressed about something that was happening and you know getting myself all worked up and he just said Zoe we make shampoo 
And that was literally <laughs> like, oh yeah. And like, you know, you're not in the NHS. Yeah. You're not like a frontline worker where like what you're doing like really impacts on other people. You know, it does in a way, but you know, not not really. Like if you if you didn't send that email today, what's the worst that's gonna happen? And we had a conversation about that on a train back from London last week. There was a couple of us talking. I think it was my boss actually was saying, we just send emails all day. I'll send an email to you. You send an email back to me. That's all we do. And, you know, it is flippant. Put it in context. But it does, yeah. yeah. It really puts it into perspective that, like, actually, you know, there is more to life than work. And remembering that and and having that in the back of your mind when you're doing things and when it it does feel really stressful or you're really, like, concerned about things. I mean, that's just because you care about it. So that's, like, a lovely quality, actually. But it should never feel like the pressure is coming from elsewhere. If, If you're putting pressure on yourself, that's a different thing. But you know, there's a difference there. So having like boundaries and making sure that, you know, you're aware of like when to switch off and what is important. It's just so vital to being able to do your job well and showing up for other people. Right, Zoe, we've reached the quick fire round. What's something that you've achieved that you're really proud of? So it's probably the great place to work results that we've had over the last two years. So, you know, we entered them because we wanted to just understand how we were benchmarking, but the results were absolutely phenomenal to the point where a great place to work was saying to us, like people don't get these kinds of results by the way oh, wow that for me felt like okay we must be doing something right then and then all of the comments coming through where people were responding to questions about like what do they like and that seeing my work being referenced as part of why someone actually really enjoys being there that was like a really validating moment so it's a team effort like that's not just down to me but it felt like a really proud moment that i was in a business where we were being recognized externally for you know doing all the right things brilliant how did you react to your greatest failure Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Well, beating myself up. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I mean, there's been times like I can't specifically think about like one biggest failure because there are things that happen that just don't really go that well sometimes. And that's just part of life, isn't it? But I think as I've got kind of further on in my career, I've been a little bit more like resilient to that. So before, like if I think early days to a mistake or something happening, I would really punish myself. I'd really go like very introspective. Whereas now I think even though I do do that, still to an extent I try to think about okay like well why like why did that not work why weren't they convinced by that or like how come I made that mistake like what was I doing that day like and it's things like you know was I rushing you know was I distracted all those kinds of things but just trying to be a bit kinder to yourself when that kind of thing happens and then thinking about okay well what's next like how do we bounce back from that and that's how I would talk to my team member if they were telling me about mistakes so I'm trying to live the same principles where it's like it's not the end of the world but like let's have a look at it and analyze yeah. it and see how we can do it differently a more compassionate approach yeah definitely <laughs> what's something you regret and what would you have done differently Yeah, so a learning that I've had in my career is that if people are disgruntled and if things are starting to circulate, that you can hear that maybe there's a bit of fake news or that there's something happening, getting in front of that as early as possible is so vital. At Impression, we're really good at being responsive and reactive. Like we might get wind that somebody's like not so sure on something and then we're like, right, let's have a session. Let's all talk about it. Air your grievances. Like let's talk, like you might have some really good questions. And that has been so positive because we've been able to give our narrative and and that context very quickly. What I want to massively avoid at Impression is ever having any kind of us and them situation. And thankfully that isn't the case, which is great, but I've seen that happen before where you start to feel this distance between 
like the management team and everybody else. And I think the issue that they've got is not communicating. And I have obviously, you know, been in a situation where maybe I haven't advised that we've communicated as quickly as what we probably should have. And then that's made it worse. So whenever something, you know, you can get a little whiff of something not being quite right, we'll make sure that we give it the space and time it needs to actually talk about it so that we don't have that situation happen. I think it's so important. I think about all of the conversations that I have with people in the HR space about engagement and very often in those surveys, for example, it's communication that comes through yeah. and you know, getting on the front foot, repeating it, yeah. saying what you've said <laughs> time and time again yeah, and absolutely. showing that you've acted on feedback is critical, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so, all those things. Good stuff. What's the biggest challenge that your business is facing right now? The current climate as it is, obviously, we have to think about that. And luckily, we are in a good position, so you know, not too concerned, but our clients are obviously naturally probably quite concerned about what's going to happen and no one really knows the answer. So it's something we have to be aware of and support our clients through as well. And then from a people perspective, not to say that we're having too much of a challenge in recruitment, but you know, we are operating in a market where other businesses have got a tendency to inflate salaries in order to you know, poach people or get people in their team. And, you know, it's hard to compete with that when we've got such a transparent pay structure where we're not moving from that. And however, what we're trying to do is really focus on the fact that your base salary is only one component of your whole total reward. And then there's loads of other things. So you might like jump for the salary, but then you might have a manager who like doesn't give you the time of day or a team that like aren't really supportive. Or you might have like a culture where people throw you under the bus. And is that really worth the 15K pay rise? You've got to work it up. So I think it's one of those things where we can't really influence that too much because it's what other businesses are deciding to do. I think that will change and I think it will come back down. But what we can do is really focus on like what's, what's our USP, what have we got to offer people and just make sure that's really strong. What do you like most about yourself? I like the fact that I am a good friend to people. So I do have a lot of friends. It's like kind of a, a bit of a joke with people. They're like, God, you know, how many friends do you have? Because I'm one of these people that once you're my friend, I really, you know, you are my friend and I will bring you in and yeah. I don't lose friends. Like I really do not lose friends easily. Wow. And I think that's an extension into how I am with my colleagues. You know, I feel like I do form like really good partnerships and relationships with people that are very mutual. So it's something that I think, yeah, shouldn't be taken for granted actually that, you know, one of these people that can bring people in and, and bring people together is, is, yeah, it's kind of nice, I suppose. What's your biggest area of development? So at the moment, I would probably say like commercial business understanding. So obviously I've been in my role for 18 months, so I've learned quite a lot about the business and how it operates and all that kind of stuff. But uh, working in an agency is very different to any kind of other organisation that I've worked in. And understanding like the world of agency has been quite a steep learning curve. But it's something that I'm really interested in and I'm really passionate about. Um, so learning more about that and how I can then apply that to, to my world at Impression is so important. And getting closer to the financials and things that are happening is something that I really want to strengthen my position on. Because I think for any good people leader, you have to be commercially aware and commercially driven. Tell us about something that you're passionate about. Oh, gosh, so many things. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really passionate about people enjoying their work because you're at work for so long of your life. So if you don't like it, you know, that's it's, life's too short. So I'm really passionate about making impression somewhere that should be a place that you want to come, that you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm really looking forward to that meeting actually. You know, that's something that I feel really passionate about. And then I'm hugely passionate about people feeling like they can be their whole selves. You know, I've had friends who have not been able to be their whole selves at work whilst I've worked with them, you know, many, many moons ago. And I look back now and I think, 
that is absolutely ridiculous that you couldn't talk about, you know, who you were dating or your sexuality or anything about your life. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me that that could be the case because at Impression, we just, everyone's welcome. It's, you know, we want to learn more about different people. But unfortunately, that can be the case sometimes. And I want to make sure that I'm championing and trying to be an ally to anyone, whatever their background, whatever situation they're in, and give them a platform and um, give everyone a voice in that conversation so that we can learn from each other. And, you know, that whole idea of like authenticity and, and just kind of, you know, making sure that we're living in a world where we are considering other people. One thing that really winds me up is when people make like blanket statements or, you know, you see kind of bigotry or any kind of discrimination. Like I absolutely cannot tolerate it. I just really don't like it. Which obviously when you're having conversations with, you know, different people, you know, you can't expect that everyone's gonna have the same view as you. But there is a difference between, you know, someone having a view that is just not acceptable and then someone maybe needing to do a bit more learning. And it's those people that, aren't even willing to learn and to understand you know those people just are not my kind of people so yeah I feel really passionate about making sure that we're creating a safe environment and that goes for my personal life too. What's one book or podcast that you'd recommend our listeners to get involved with? Oh wow okay so I do really enjoy the Stephen Bartlett Diary of a CEO I really enjoy that there's just been so many businesses that he's had on there's there's so many episodes but (laughs) we can just dip into a few like listening to the founder of Brewdog talk yeah. through like all of the stuff that happened with him, like real ups and downs. I was listening to one the other day, uh, the founder of Pret, which was That's so interesting. Yeah. It's a really good one. Mm. So interesting. And you just learn so much about different businesses. Like he's got some really great people on there. And it's just so interesting, like thinking about the challenges that maybe they faced. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to like, share and subscribe. See you next time.